0: You know, when we talk about discipleship, our modern day age says, Oh, yeah, hey, I'll disciple you. Read this book, tell me what you think, and I'll fill you in where you're wrong. Mm. You know, fill out this form. True discipleship, if we go back to the first century, really was a hanging out with somebody who was wiser, typically older than you, and you lived life mm. with them. Mm. You know, you go to the store with them, you go to a funeral with them, you're going to a wedding, you're able to have meals with them That's continually, good. they're having tea together, they're breaking bread together. That is true discipleship. And at the same time, they are learning and they're growing in the wow. rising up, in the sitting down. But true discipleship is more than just going through a book and then checking in right. with the person. True discipleship in first century logic here is being with somebody on a continual basis, Doing on a life daily, daily basis... Living life together.
1: Pray for me, friends. I've not asked you. Friends? Friends, pray for me, friends. Look, I've not asked for prayers often on this podcast, but please pray for me, friends. I'm about to go on a ski trip to Mammoth and will be trapped in a cabin for a couple of days with two psychopathic and delusional (laughs) hallucinators who actually believe that coffee has flavors like guacamole, chutney, and llama food.
0: (laughs) Wait, (laughs) llama What? (laughs) That that one made me laugh. Llama food?
2: Llama food. Easy, I want you to know that I always pray for you, because the scripture tells me to
1: pray for my enemies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Ray's always in
1: prayer. P-R-A-Y-E-R.
3: Love your jacket easy. Do they make them for men? <laughs>
1: <laughs> See how I get mocked friends, how I get persecuted. What oh, was it you said,
2: that, Well, that is a really nice
0: jacket. Does Rachel know you borrowed it? <laughs> you know, it's funny you guys are saying that because my wife actually told me recently that I needed to get in touch with my feminine side. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Is so that, I, so I crashed wired? the car. that is the end of the living waters podcast forever
1: Uh, ladies you can email mark at yeah (laughs) we're gonna have women protesting outside um yeah so i am really looking forward uh Ray, I've Ray got has. a
3: letter from from someone who loves the podcast, ah, and I want to read it to you. This please, person, it's handwritten nice. by the way. <clears throat> it's handwritten, and I'm I'm just amazed at the discernment of this person. I, I'm oh, the maturity yeah. of those that listen. I just think it's just mm, wonderful. Yes. I'll be praying for you, Mark, Easy, Oscar, and all of you at Living Waters team. Uh, no offense to him, but Easy does the worst impression of you <laughs> <laughs> that I have ever heard. And this is from a discerning guy <laughs> named jacob so.
1: oh man well, well thank you, jacob. done there are many delusional people on the planet yeah uh, i'm i'm uh i'm a, i'm really looking forward to skiing but i'm not looking forward to the coffee harassment coming
2: the last time we were on the ski trip i like morning comes or maybe it was after we were done riding for the day and i go to make uh an aero press Craft coffee. Grind the beans. Prepare the water. Make the coffee, which is you know a five-year process. guys seriously need to see
1: this. This is a human being literally cooking coffee.
2: And I hand a cup to Christian, who's there with us, uh, and him and I are enjoying it. And then I pour a little bit for Easy, and he takes a sip and then dumps fresh-made
1: coffee down the.
2: You didn't add cream the or
0: anything. I mean, you could have fixed it. Right? Yeah,
1: I'm not into chutney, guacamole. And Wait, is Christian
0: into coffee as much as? Yeah. W- really? Total yeah, coffee wise, snobs.
1: Godly man. Coffee snobs. Because he's a construction no sense guy. Of good taste. What's that supposed to mean, Mark?
0: <laughs> well, you, you you would think that it's like any old cup of Joe would work, but. Yeah, I think he said his daughter got into cra- got. Him okay, into that, crack now that coffee. makes sense because Phoebe uh, has worked at a coffee shop for many years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Anyway, friends, pray for me. Pray against Oscar and Christian. Rob,
3: I pray you have a great time. Yeah, don't break a leg.
1: Hey, yesterday, <laughs> too late. don't tempt him. Yesterday uh, at church, I was so delighted when after the service, this family comes up to me, and uh, they heard about Kindred Community Church through the podcast, and they drove all the way two hours out near Santa Clarita just to come to the church. And wow. they happened to see me, right? And uh, it was such a they blessing stayed? to interact with them. <laughs> they stayed, yeah. Uh, oh, just sweet people. And here's what blew me away. Now, I'm talking about Jimmy, Paula, and Avro Their son, Avro 15 years old, has listened to every single one of the episodes from the podcast. Mm, so wow. shout out to you guys. It was really a delight to, to meet you and to talk with you and hope to see you around Kindred again. And friends, again, if you're anywhere near Anaheim Hills... Uh, Stop by Kindred Community Church and hunt down Mark Spence. <laughs> or if you're in
0: uh, South Orange County, go King, to Kings, King's, Cross. Kings Cross Church.
1: Or if you're in Huntington Beach, Cross Point. Ray didn't remember the name
3: of the church. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not
1: stupid. <laughs> yeah. All great churches yeah. and uh solid, solid teaching from God's word. Now, friends. <laughs> what do I have in front of me? These are from our dear sister Danny. She heard us talk about whatchamacallit and who's he, what's it on the podcast. And look what she got us. So that you're talking about candy bars. <laughs> candy bars. In fact, I'm going to do the first yeah, ever. Please.
3: No, you're gonna, test no, you're gonna regret this. I've done yeah, it. Yeah, it's gonna I've get done it. no. you, won't, you, won't, you won't appreciate it. Are you it. sure? In three minutes' time, you'd be spitting stuff out. Oh, uh, maybe. You might be better speak. Mm.
0: He doesn't care. Mm. In easy goes. Watch McCallit is in mm. the mouth. He's chewing <laughs> it up. Play by it's... play.
1: I haven't had a watch McCallit in a long time. Mm. What about mm. the Who's was WhatsApp? I
0: don't try who's it watch it. Where's yours, Mark? I'm smart enough to not do that <laughs> while I'm on the air.
3: You've just reminded me of something. I was at Knott's Berry Farm. Not too far from here, teaching in, in their place they have for teaching, a men's meeting, and I talked about how by a loose woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, mm. a whorish woman. And yes. I had a piece of bread on the pulpit, so I said, A man is. I said, What does that mean? It means if you've got a piece of bread and you want to devour it, you just pick it up and. Like that, right? And helpless. I said, and Keep then I breath. said, and I couldn't speak. I took such a big bite. I couldn't speak for. Must have been about. It just seemed like an eternity. Probably forty seconds. It was just. Going, what <laughs> <laughs> at the pulpit?
1: What's that thing people do where they put a bunch of crackers in their mouth and they? Oh try yeah, to the crackers, sardines, and try to whistle. And try to whistle. That's what it is.
3: Or we should
0: do the cinnamon challenge with Ray.
3: If you're from down cinnamon. under, crackers and not um, fireworks. That's what they call them in Australia, New Zealand crackers. So you're not putting crackers in your mouth.
0: What do they call crackers?
3: Fireworks. No, they're called fireworks here. What do they call oh, crackers? Water, water biscuits. Water, water biscuits? Because you water. want to drink of
1: water after yeah, you eat biscuit. Yeah,
3: you guys need help.
1: All right, time for Hoosie <laughs> What's uh, It. Hoosie
0: What's it's It. It's in his hand. Let's it's going go, up go. his <laughs> mouth. It's in his mouth. He's taking so, a bite. Easy. His eyes are closed. He's
3: looking up to the left. Hang on. Now. Easy. Do you love the Lord? Mmm. <laughs> mm. All
1: right. I'm a Hoosie What's It fan. They've definitely improved on whatchamacallit. call Mmm. That's
3: right. I mean, the guy that
1: <laughs> the
3: guy that thought of that name—they're sitting around and say, "What are we going to call this?" Oh, watch me call it. Uh, you
1: crazy! They make you smile when you say those names. All right, friends. Did you
3: chew that properly, or just swallow it as a lump? I
1: just—I just, I I just inhaled that thing. Oh, that so good. Just lap that. So good. Thank you, Danny. Thank Danny, guys. She got Thank us you a bunch Danny. of them.
3: thanks, Danny. Thank you, Danny, we love you. And what about the person who brought them to the studio? Yar Comfort? Mm-hmm. Yar
1: Mockroft? How do you say your name backwards,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yar Mock is my name backwards. <laughs> Yar Mock. And, and Dale Dunlop was Elaine Polnud. <laughs> for the
2: those of you who friends in New Zealand. Easy gets such a kick out of saying people's names backwards. I
3: don't know what it is. I love that. What's mm-hmm.
1: mine? Well, I know yours is Oravan Raxo.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't point. know, i so never tried yours. When you're it. pointing, it's Oscar for the podcast yeah.
1: listeners. Yeah, Raxo. All
3: Mark, right, Mark, friends. Mark. Mark
1: cram oh you know what oh there was another couple that came up at the service after our dear friends and um they were high and molly they were from denver heard about the church from a friend came happened to just see me there they didn't know it was that was a church where where i'm a member and uh, they came up and and she came up she called me tea kettles wayne
3: (laughs) So, so his name is really high
1: his name is Hi. Yeah, he's a Vietnamese brother. Was he? Um, oh, was he we tall? were able to chat about Westminster and <laughs> and uh, and Garden Grove. What was that? Was he tall? Oh, uh, Hi.
3: And what do you say? Hi, Hi, Hi,
1: Hi. I know, Hi, Hi. Hey, Hi. Great, great brother and sister. They listen to the podcast uh, avidly. And uh, they love the Lord. They, in fact, he was telling me that through listening to the podcast, that's what led led them to a sound Bible teaching church. That's right? Really helped to, you know, impact them. So that's, that's great. really cool. So hi, hi, and hi, Molly. <laughs> love you guys. All right. Comment from Y. E. Smith. Ooh, that looks kind of clever. Y. E. S. Smith. Yes, Smith. Above your heads, growing in faith. This podcast is so helpful in growing my knowledge of Scripture and understanding of what God's Word says on varying subjects. From the hard and puzzling that I never knew answers to, to the basic everyday topics, these men of God are not afraid to answer and discuss even the hard-hitting questions. They're always pointing to Scripture and have so much knowledge and biblical perspective, each with the ability to give personal experience, which feels like I am in the room with them and hearing their stories, thoughts, testimony. I listen almost daily, and it truly makes me ask myself tough questions about who and where I am in my relationship with God and others. And it questions and it really inspires my faith grow with journey. Thank you, Easy, Mark, Oscar, and Ray, for answering the calling to advance the kingdom of God. You have no idea what a blessing this podcast is to myself and so many others. They,
3: they snuck a, You have no idea. No? <laughs> <laughs> have so no easy. Do we ever read nasty comments? We should read some. I know the we're we're there, any yet. We don't
1: have any
2: really. Well, we should.
3: If you don't like this podcast, please send
1: <laughs> nasty, <laughs> and <laughs> nasty and comments and tell us why you're listening. Yeah, we need some some tension no, to create we don't. <laughs> interest in the program. I hate Ray Comfort. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the new Living Waters hat. Do we have a new hat? Yeah, the new improved hat. hat. Have you not seen it, I have not seen it. Aw, you gotta see it. Yeah? Yeah, friends, we've upped the quality, so make sure to check it out. It really is a hat I would feel very proud wearing. Shouldn't
3: we say it's a baseball camp? Does That's that describe idea. it? Because I was a, sombrero. a cowboy
1: hat. It's a sombrero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Should we laugh at sombreros? Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, sombreros are fun. Um, <laughs>
3: Especially when there's guacamole in them. I tell yeah. you, a sombreros are great for a whole family, just one <laughs> of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, make sure to check that out along with the Evidence Study Bible at livingwater.com. All right, guys. Today... We're talking about how to cultivate healthy friendship. Oh, I it was wealthy
3: friendships. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wealthy friendships. Yeah. Healthy friendship, fellowship, and accountability.
2: <sighs> what is that hard for you given that you don't have any friends, Easy? Uh,
1: the friendless
0: Arab. Cherub. Uh yeah, friendship. Boy. Easy, how many people call you their best friend? I'm I'm actually very surprised how many people actually do this. People from our past, right? We've known each other for a long time. You were in my wedding in 1999. Wow. And we've come across a lot of people. Mm. And there's a lot of people through the ages that reach out to you and say that you're their best friend.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't know. It's interesting how we're all built so differently. There are people who really don't care much for friendship, you know, um, for whatever reason. Maybe it's just personality. Maybe it's... Ooh pain. Uh, have you heard of <laughs> La yeah. I mean,
3: Who wouldn't want friends?
1: There are people that don't. Yeah. yeah, there are. And there are some that maybe don't value the friendships that they do have. They're, it's kind of like, yeah, it's cool to have friends. I've always valued friendship. I don't know. To me, it's oh. always been a gift that is a delight. And as I became a believer, I really started to learn the, the real essence of friendship in Christ. So
0: when you became a Christian, so this is my experience. Yeah. When I became a Christian... All my friends didn't want to have anything to do with me, right? So I played sports. You have a lot of friends when you play really? sports. Yeah. No. And then when I became a Christian, none of them, I mean, they didn't want to say goodbye. they That was it. They heard I became a Christian. That rumor went into the grapevine, and they were gone like a dirty hat. That was similar. I couldn't believe it.
2: That was similar. Yeah, I think I've shared before, when I decided to get baptized, I invited a bunch of, of my old friends, many of them were atheists and uh they thought, it was, they thought it was a joke. Like I remember one conversation, a group of them was going to Vegas the same weekend that I was getting baptized. And he was like, come on, man, stop messing around with that. We're going to Vegas. Let's, why don't you go with us? That'll be a lot more fun than getting baptized. Wow. And that was the
1: last conversation I had with them. I was like, was man, it? I hope I see you there. And I didn't Wow Ray, you, you had a bunch of surfing buddies I mean, you had a good big group Yeah, of surfers
3: come in bunches um, <laughs> <laughs> they, come in but, yeah, just, they come in waves They come in waves In schools like, They come in schools, yeah um, they, they just dropped off one by one I think You don't lose friends When you become a Christian Because they're not your friends Friends will stick with you no matter what mm. But it really is like being amongst a bunch of criminals Criminals come in bunches And becoming a police officer you're not going to be very yeah. popular. That's so true. And so that's the analogy. We go across to the other side, and it's offensive. And I can. Who wants to get a, a water baptism when you can go to Vegas? <laughs>
1: you know, seriously. Well, that reminds me of the the episode, Ray, that or the video that you just did on asking young men. You know, would you would you rather go to Vegas and you know and you're, you have a week to live or something? given prostitutes versus praying, right? Was that what it was?
3: Penitent prayer or pretty prostitutes, which which, which would you choose. Yeah. And most of them would choose the pretty prostitutes, which you can understand. I mean, but others who feared God said, I would be in penitent prayer. And that's that's what makes the difference. If you fear God, then it'll send, send you in the right direction.
1: love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week. Goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, you know, with friendships because... When I came to Christ, I had this notion that all of my friends and I had a number of friends and you know, I I, I was somewhat of a leader among them. And I thought, oh, obviously they're gonna follow me into Christ. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's and I just didn't quite get it yet as a as a brand new believer that it just doesn't work that way. And man, it was crazy. Yeah, all my friends just it, it was just game over. You yeah. Know? But I remember distinctly thinking, this is what, what kind of price is that to pay, right? Like, I mean, I mean, again, I try to reach out to my friends. I share the gospel with them. Partly, I probably drove them crazy (laughs) and drove them away. But I mean, I remember one time going on a river trip right after I got saved and I just couldn't stop talking about Christ. And there was one guy in particular with us who wasn't a believer and he just, he almost lost it on me. He's like, can you just stop? you know and i'm like i can't
3: i just was so
1: <laughs> consumed with what god had done in my life you know and you know having been a gangster you get this idea that like you have this camaraderie and these are your faithful friends but man i look back and i think of the way that my friends and i would or would would have betrayed each other like that stolen one another's girl yeah, or taken something from one another's absolutely. house or
3: i remember i was walking to church being a christian for about two weeks, just clean myself up a little and I saw and I saw a friend coming towards me, a surfing buddy on a bike, and as he went past me I waved at him and he said I was number one with his hand. What? Yeah. And that was <laughs> that was it. That's how I realized this is what you get when you become a Christian. You you turn dead fish float downstream, live ones turn and go upstream. It's part of the price of discipleship, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, it's uh, I think it's valuable also to get into the, the reality that the different kinds of communities that we get ourselves in, involved with, uh, because there is something, as you guys are alluding to, something distinct about gospel community. Uh, yeah. It is a community of friends whose central mechanism of gathering is the glory of God and the good of each other. And that, if you look at our society today, you know, I know we have a lot of listeners overseas, so I can only speak here and here in uh, in the United States. We are overseas. That's true. That's fair. (laughs) Especially in California. You know, you guys know that I come from the business background of marketing and branding and having read and studied quite a few books. A lot of the marketers and branders that are out there, the top notch guys, what they would tell you is that they're not selling anymore a product. They're not necessarily trying to get you to buy their product, whether it's an Apple phone, a subscription to your local CrossFit, whatever the case. They know now what they're studying and they're studying cults and religions Because what they want is for you to buy in to a belief system and then identify with their product and be a part of their community or tribe. And so if you notice when you're out there listening whether it's like the club to be a part of their subscription program that makes you feel closer to the podcaster, whether it's the community of your gym, whether it's whatever the case, everyone is borrowing religious language to grow a fan base, to grow their market and their product. And here's the point is that we actually do buy into a low view of what it means to be a part of a community, we feel like we're, man, like my gym, that's my community. I've got a community Mm. there. My this, that's my tribe. That's where we meet and gather and we have similarities. But man, we starve ourselves of a sanctifying, Process that's good for our souls when we are known and loved and prayed for and held accountable to the glory of God. When it comes to local friendships, mm. lifelong friendships that are centered on the gospel.
1: Yeah, uh, Oscar, are you serious? Do they really study cults and intentionally? Religions. Absolutely, yeah. Like to figure out how to
2: because the the, the thing what they would argue is that uh, cults and religions have a way of getting. Uh, cultish followers that would uh, that would no longer consider other options so let's take apple for example
3: sorry they would die in a cult
2: they would die in a cult.
3: That's what people do. They sometimes give their lives.
2: Die for a cult. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. exactly right. right. You get to a point where you won't even consider another option. Like take, for example, Apple. Most people who, who buy into the Apple ecosystem, they don't shop around their phones when the new one comes out to figure out which one's the best price, which one's faster, which one's a better quality. They buy into the mm-hmm. product because they're into, right? They become a part of the community. They become, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A loyal a loyal customer, yeah. that's exactly why they they study cults is because they're trying to buy our loyalty and they're trying to get us to think that their products
1: somehow justify our self-made identities.
2: Oh, wow. so,
3: well, we like sheep have gone astray. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, guys, I want you to to kind of touch on this. Mark, I'd love you to speak to this. Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself
0: be friendly. Yeah, how many times have we heard people say, uh, you know, I stopped going to that church or being part of that youth group because nobody reached out to me. And this is really the text that we need to point out, Mm. right? If you want friends, you first have to be friendly. You have to take that initiative. You have to take that step forward towards individuals. Now, I know you and I together, we encourage our kids to reach out to people that are part of the youth groups that don't uh, tend to fit in, people that are new, and and they do it regularly. But if you want to have friends, you gotta speak up, you mm. gotta speak out, you gotta step up, you gotta step out. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what the text means. Want friends? Be friendly yourself. Yeah. You'll find friends.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm blown away by how Jesus actually called his disciples friends. Yeah, wow. you, got, you know, I mean, think about that. The God of the universe walking with wicked, wretched, fallen men. I mean, you think of what Jesus must have had to have put up with. You know, sometimes you have a strength in a certain area Mm -hmm. and maybe others don't, and it's easy to get frustrated because it comes naturally to you. But I mean, imagine being God, a very God, and you're walking with men and
0: the patience he had, you know? Yeah, but not only that, he called Judas' friend. Friend, why have you come? Yeah. You know, when Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but call you friends, the hearts were beginning to mend together as one. But how much more when we think about Judas who betrayed him with a kiss? Mm. And it's been said that's not what lips were designed for. Mm. So when Jesus looked over at Judas and said, Friend, you know, what are you doing? It's kind of like when uh, Adam and Eve, they sinned inside the garden. Yeah. And God said, uh, uh, You know, Adam, you know, where are you? Where are you? It's not by virtue of the fact that God didn't know where Adam was at, but it was more along the lines of, you know, Adam, look where you're at. Mm -hmm. Look what's happening. So when he calls us friends, you know, no longer calls us servants, it's like, look at the relationship that I'm asking of you, that I want to have with you. Because while we were yet as enemies, he died for us. And if he's going to die for us while we were his enemies, what is he going to do now that we're friends? God longs for fellowship in a relationship. We often talk about uh, the gospel is fire insurance, that God wants to save people out of hell. But it's so much more, and that comes shy of really missing the mark of what God really intended. Yeah. God doesn't want to just give people fire insurance. God has designed people to have that koinonia, that fellowship, that mm. deep, intimate relationship. You know, when it says that Adam knew his wife and conceived a child, that's the same word that we see in Psalm 139, verse 2, where it says that he knows our thoughts from afar. It speaks of an intimate relationship that God has and wants to have mm. with his creation. Although right.
2: you just said. I, I Often say that God saves us out of anonymity, out of loneliness and isolation and hiding of our sins. He saves us out of an anonymity and into gospel community for us to be known and loved. There's a, there's a very specific reason why the New Testament refers so often to the early church as a family. And they really were a family. This was not a community that would gather for an hour and a half on a Sunday and then not see each other again. They did life together. Yeah. They fellowship together. As a matter of fact, it's so funny reading critical historians of the early church Their letters to each other. Specifically, there's one by a Roman historian, Pliner the Younger or Elder. There's two, so I always mix them up. But he comments on the early church. He says he's trying to study them and figure them out. And it's kind of funny because he gets some things wrong. But what you get the notion of is how often they gather together. This historian was looking at the early church going, These guys, like they hang out all the time. They're having so much fun together. They're enjoying each other. Something weird must be happening. And no. They were just enjoying fellowship and prayer and time together over God's mm. word.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that, that passage in John 15, mm-hmm. where Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And the whole essence of that is, is that friendship includes a closeness to where there's openness, right? I'm I'm revealing to you what's going on, what's happening. You're a part of the, the substructure of my life. You know, it's not just, hey, we just kind of have this sort of formal connection, but it's intimate, it's real.
0: You know, when we talk about discipleship, our yeah. modern day age says, oh yeah, hey, I'll disciple you, read this book, tell me what you think, and I'll fill you in where you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Fill out this form. True discipleship, if we go back to the first century, really was a hanging out with somebody who was wiser, typically older than you, and you lived life Mm. with them. You know, you go to the store with them, you go to a funeral with them, you're going to a wedding, you're able to have meals with them That's continually. Good. They're having tea together, they're breaking bread together. That is true discipleship. And at the same time, they are learning and they're growing in the right. rising up, in the sitting down. But true discipleship is more than just going through a book and then checking in right. with the person. True discipleship in first century logic here is being with somebody on a continual basis, Doing on a life daily, daily basis. Living life together yeah I
2: have a question for you easy. Uh, I think so often people people's experience of of, of church can become a facade where they feel like, you know, we put on our Sunday best, we go and maybe they know just like the struggle of their home, the disagreements they got in with their spouse, the things that they're struggling with their kids, but then they go to church and they feel like they need to put on that face. Yeah. they like, everything's good. We're a really good Christian family. How do you encourage people to move past that facade into what you're talking about, which is authentic friendship that knows one another, loves one another, holds mm. each other accountable.
1: Well, I think really it goes back to Paul Tripp's famous quote that I've shared on the podcast many times, value impacts behavior, right? When you understand the value that's found in true fellowship, that's gonna impact your behavior in seeking it out. When you understand that there are things God wants to be a part of your life that you may not necessarily want, but that you should know are best for you, that'll impact what you do in that regard, you know? And again, Ray, it comes down to being intentional and in building those bridges and being the kind of person, like we quoted that Proverbs 18, 24, that will cause people to gravitate toward you. Now, we can have selfish ambitions in that. Like, I just wanna have a bunch of friends so I don't feel lonely or whatever. But, but I believe a true believer says, I wanna influence others who will desire my friendship so that I can influence them for God's glory. Ray I remember when when I first got to know you I remember one time you called in particular uh you called my house I was with a friend in fact we were doing we we would meet every week and we were working on the gospel of Matthew uh summarizing it in rhyme form right mm-hmm. you remember that yes. I've shared that with you Anyway he was over my house and the phone rang and I answered and I'm <clears throat> like well, hello and and it was you and <laughs> you have to remember right? I Ray was a legend to me. He was my hero. He's this godly, famous man that God had used, and he called me, and he called me to check on me because I was sick, mm. and I'll never forget that. Like it was so genuine and so authentic. And Ray, you you have that kind of connection with a lot of people, and I think they're surprised, you know. And I know you you see no stature in yourself, but we know who God has made you. What is it that compels you to to do that? Like you just you really check on people, reach out to people. Is that just always been a part of your personality or have
3: you been prompted? No, I just... Call because people are sick, and I want to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how they're doing. Um, there are certain friendships that I really don't want to lose. You know, like mm. my friend Murray Smith.
1: Oh yeah, he's
3: a friend that from years ago in New Zealand when I used to itinerate, I'd always stay at his house in the city of Auckland. He'd always come and pick me up from the airport, take me home, and give us meals, drive me here and there.
1: Oh, love lovely. And
3: I'd call him. This, this is way before your time, but you, you, you call someone what's called a collect call. Do you know what a collect oh, yeah. call is? You Cost make them quarter. pay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he would he would never let me call him unless it was collect where oh, he paid. Oh, he would kidding. hang up on me. No way. I'd say, hey, Murray. He says, is this collect? Click. Why? Because he wanted me to call where wow, he paid. Wow. And it's just left this feeling in me that I just love him. Another guy, Richard Gunther. Right? I don't know if you've met Richard Gunther. Of course, Gunth. Richard. Yeah. <clears throat> He's my cartoonist. I haven't seen Richard for 30 years, but I love him and I consider hmm. him a friend. I often think of him, pray for him. And there's certain friendships that are kind of. Eternal, yeah. but Jesus was accused of being the friend of sinners. Hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, do we cultivate friendships with sinners? What's our priority? To befriend That's people for the gospel's sake? I was just reading Acts chapter one this morning, and I was reminded of certain things that I've known, but it just came back to my uh, front lobes when the disciples said to Jesus, we want to get into prophecy. When are you going to restore the kingdom? What's going to happen in the future? Jesus, that's in God's hands. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you should be my witnesses. In other words, if you're a prophecy buff, don't be a prophecy buff at the cost of evangelism. That's why we exist. And then Jesus ascended into the heavens, and I I, I might be wrong here, but the the two angels came and said, the same Jesus who you're seeing go to heaven will come in like manner. Well, how's he going to come? With power, clouds, and great glory. So it seems the insinuation is that when Jesus ascended, it was not, beam me up, Scotty, <laughs> like you see pictures. Of power, clouds, and great glory, probably. And the disciples were just gazing up to heaven. And the, and the, I love what the angel said, you men of Galilee, why are you gazing up to heaven? <laughs> In other words, what's wrong with you? God has granted everlasting life to humanity, so don't stand there gazing up to heaven. Go and preach the gospel. Yeah. And we've got much of the church who are gazing up to heaven. They're into worship, mm-hmm. just bringing God glory, raising their hands. But as I've often said, if we're going to raise our hands and worship to God, make sure we're prepared to reach out our hands in evangelism for God because worship without service is nothing but empty hypocrisy. It's to draw near to God with our lips, with their hearts far from Him. And Jesus said... In vain you worship me. So you can worship God in vain. So mm. let's not gaze up to heaven. Let's not get into prophecy and forget evangelism, but remember why we're here and we should be like Jesus who befriended sinners for the sake of the gospel. Oh, so good. And
1: Ray, you know, uh, he still uh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, a while ago, uh, we talked about how during the whole COVID fiasco, Mark, you guys went out through your neighborhood and you gave gifts to your neighbors right. in keeping with what was going on, right? Because the items were scarce. And things. So, yeah. kind of recap that a little bit. I mean, I, that falls in line with, right, building those friendships for the sake of the gospel, like I was talking yeah, we, about. Yeah,
0: we wanted to reach out to our neighbors during COVID when uh, everything was just scarce, from paper towels to uh, wipes to toilet paper to water bottles. Everything was just being... Uh, empty shelves yeah. you know, galore so my wife and i came together we and said hey let's do this for our neighbors we told a friend of ours who actually operates a couple of different chick-fil-as and he uh, decided to put in forty dollars worth of uh, chick-fil-a uh gift cards wow. in each one of the baskets Amazing. inside of our neighbor. so we hit every single neighbor inside of our community there was able to give them a basket filled with stuff and when we went to walmart and we're loading our cart up with stuff and they said well you can't buy all this stuff and we said well we're not keeping it we're actually giving it to all of our neighbors uh, the manager said, I can't let you do that. Take that aisle right over there. She'll help you. She'll check you out. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Seriously? So, yeah, it's like it's this thing wow. where we just want to take care of each other, right? Yeah. Instead of hoarding, you know, we're here to share. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to do. And, and it worked, and our neighbors were touched. Wow. It opened doors, and it uh, tore down walls that were up for a while. And
3: I'm sure it isn't finished yet. You Correct. Know, in years yeah. to come, people are going to remember that.
1: Yeah, and and I know, Oscar, you guys are big on that in your neighborhood too, just being kind of a hub for the unbelievers around you and, and engaging them in friendship, again, for the sake of the gospel. And let me just say on that point before you you share, Oscar, there is a difference, right, between godly friendships and fellowship, which is really the bulk of what we're talking about, and, and friendships with unbelievers for the sake of the gospel. Genuine friendships, it's not like, hey, we're doing this so we can, you know, but there is that heart in us because love wants to meet people's greatest needs. And those that are lost, their greatest need is the gospel. And so you've had that heart for that as well.
2: Yeah, we uh, we live in a very neighborly neighborhood, and since we've been there, I think four years now. And since since being there on our street, there's been a handful of families that have uh, one one family in particular that came to a saving faith and got baptized and became members of a church. Uh, they were members of our church for a little bit, but then they moved. Uh, another family that started coming as well. And it honestly, it just starts with us opening our door uh, when we ha- hold our Bible studies. We have an open door policy. In other words, if you if even if you're not a believer, if you're my neighbor down the street, hey, just so you know, when there's a bunch of cars here Wednesday night, we're having a Bible study and you're more than welcome to join us. And man, we've had one of our neighbors knock on our door in the middle of Bible study and it was like, I'm, uh, I'm struggling with this addiction and my marriage is on the brink of divorce. Can I, <laughs> can I join you guys for your Bible study? Wow. And I was like, yes, you can. And that was the thing that you know started to bring him in. But if I was just that recluse, that had my Bible study with my friends and didn't have a barbecue with that guy two weeks before and share Mm -hmm. the gospel with them. If I didn't you know, go outside and give his kids a high five when I see them out there, like if I don't, if, if, if you don't make yourself available, they never know that you're the door that they need to knock on when they've got those questions. And, uh, and it takes a sacrifice. It makes it uncomfortable. You know, there's, let's be honest, there's an uncomfortability with being, so open, you know. Some people feel uncomfortable with, like, I don't want someone knocking on my door when yeah. they're having a tough day. But <laughs> you know what? Uh, there's an excellent book called "The Gospel Comes with the House Key," and and the premise of the book is that when God saves us, He saves us so that our table becomes a place where the gospel is proclaimed. Yeah. Our kitchen table, that idea of being able to invite non-believers in and mm. love them in a way that feels so foreign to yeah. them.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit then about fellowship, right? So we've talked about friendship, how it is we cultivate them between believers, between unbelievers. But Mark, when you think of fellowship, what are the hallmarks of true fellowship between Christians?
0: Well, I think honesty and uh, openness. You know, we, we have some friends inside of our lives that we're we are living life mm. together. Yeah, uh, if somebody is sick. No, nope, you're gonna get food. If somebody's in the hospital, of course we're gonna visit you. If somebody is graduating, no, I'm gonna be there. If mm-hmm. uh, you need some help financially, of course it's not alone. This is, we're gonna take care of you. Yeah. It's living life. Th- this is what relationships are like. Mm. This is the antithesis to the world of what we saw with our friends before we became a Christian. Yeah, You think of all that we gave up when we became a Christian when it comes to friendships, <laughs> it, it's nothing compared to what we have now, mm. right? So. It's really what we were talking about with uh, discipleship but before Oscar, right? It's just this idea that I am fully committed to live life with you. It's like if you have cancer, I feel like I have cancer. We are going to go in this together. We're on the boat together. No,
3: that's why it's called fellowship on the boat together on the boat.
0: Fellows on a ship, Ray. You know, one of the things
1: that you and I have pinpointed in our relationship. I mean, we're father-in-law and son-in-law. We're also boss and. uh Employee, if you would technically, I look
3: on you as a father figure,
1: <laughs> grandfather, grandfather, figure. Yeah. But we also have a friendship, and throughout the years and the countless hours we've spent together in that in that fellowship, we've we've at times pinpointed how much we enjoy talking about the Lord, and that's where fellowship ultimately ends up leading, right? When you have believers and they have the Lord in common, not in a weird and like forced way, but how can you not naturally talk about the one who's the center of your life?
3: There's a sense of excitement. It's like when you get married... I was going to say, I first get married. No, no, I've been married for 52 (laughs) years, and I still get excited talking about Sue and thinking about Sue. It really is like a marriage. You just love the one who loved you enough to um, give himself on that cross. But our relationship is actually quite crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: pretty much We We
3: spend most of the time just laughing. And I think that is the essence of a good friendship. Absolutely. Laughter. That's what Murray Smith and I've got, this, this friendship that's based on just having fun and laughing, yeah. enjoying each other's company. And-,
1: and it's a joy, you know, because in the Lord, it's it's laughter without qualms of conscience because, you know, your your humor is even tempered by the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of love, and you love the Lord, and there's not a mean spirit in it. There's not crudeness. There's not, you know, and, and it's just so rich to have that in Christ. Yeah, right. Yep, right. <laughs> That's mainly what we spend our time doing, honestly, though. No. <laughs> Anytime we call each other, we go, Yep, right. Yep, 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 right, yep, right.
3: Should you explain that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, years ago, I think we've talked about it before, but uh, when I first I started to get if to know. I we have. We haven't? I thought I we did. Think. But started to get to know Rachel and her family, and I'd be over at the house, and Ray would be talking on the phone to someone in New Zealand, his mom or sister or whoever. And I was absolutely mesmerized. I had never seen anything like it. I mean, probably. 80% of the conversation on this end was, oh, yep, right, yep, yep, oh, yep, 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 right, yep, 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 right, yep, 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 right, right. You start singing now.
3: No, no, this is an exaggeration. It is, it's probably not more than like 62%. Somewhere around there. Yep, right, We probably have spoken about it, but the American equivalent is okay. You listen to America on the phone, okay, okay, okay,
1: okay, So anyway, that led to the get brightism Let me, let me, uh,
2: Talk a little bit about maybe being a young adult and in, yep. in developing friendships. Because uh, as you guys are talking, I'm remembering back when I first became a Christian. I was a Christian, I became a Christian in my 20s and I stayed single all the way into my late 20s. Uh-huh. Uh, so I spent quite a bit of time as a single young adult, you know, mid to late 20s adult developing godly friendships. And I remember I was so blessed that uh, very quickly the Lord brought together a group of uh, young men and women in the Lord that truly had a love for God's word. We started all going to the same church. And over time, some of us got married, some of us switched churches. At the core, in the very beginning, this, this group of individuals, we spent time having fun together. We spent time serving the church together, uh, going on you know, one day or two day long missions trips together. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And at one point I remember because we all started kind of going to different churches that we were meeting and gathering and not really opening God's word together. Mm. And, and so it kind of dawned on us. And what's amazing is, is the unity of this group. At the same time, everyone was like, you know what we need to do? we need to go back to where we started, which is having a Bible study together. Mm. And so going to different churches, but still wanting to maintain our meaningful friendships, we started doing a Bible study together and opening God's word together because we didn't want our friendship to just be about fun. Right. And uh, I just remember being so blessed from that. And it reminds me hearing you two yep, right each other and uh, and then remembering them. And even my friendship with you guys, it reminds me of this C.S. Lewis quote, which he says, friendship is born at the moment. When one man says to another, What? You too? (laughs) I thought no one but myself. And what I mean by that is certainly a bond over the gospel, but then there's other. Bonds, you know, the bonds over sharing a laugh, the bonds over a meal, the bonds over curiosity, the bonds that, that draw you into the friendship of another person and that draws some aspect out of you. I think it was J.R.R. Tolkien. No, I, I, I'm sorry. It was C.S. Lewis who talked about one of his friends that died. And he said that when you lose a friend, you lose that person that brought that unique aspect of you out.
3: Hmm. You
2: lose a part of yourself almost. Oh. And I just, I think his understanding in, of friendship is just, he's so keen to what it means to have meaningful
1: relationships with people. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, finally, guys, accountability, right? True Christian friendship and fellowship also includes accountability. And Oscar talked about and often reminds us of the value of the local church, right? The local community of God's people gathered together, where, where you know, like it says in James 5 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent for prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, there's this openness and community. Nothing is going to create more intimacy than that vulnerability where we really show to one another who we really are. And that's what I was talking about earlier about value impacting Mm -hmm. behavior. We recognize that something is so valuable and so important, we're willing to forfeit our comfort. And oftentimes it's pride, right? Because we don't want to be seen in a certain way. Man, it's so important. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said... A man who confesses his sin in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God and the reality of the other person. As long as, as I am by myself in the confession of my sins, everything remains in the clear. But in the presence of a brother, the sin has to be brought into the light. And, and that, man, that is so big where, where we can get real and get open and get honest with each other and have that you know, rich accountability. I've benefited from it. Mark, I know your life. I know you have lots of friends you meet with. Oscar, the same with you. Ray, having that openness, how valuable has it been for you?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I saw an accountability list of uh, questions that uh, Chuck Swindoll had come up with a while ago, and it was probably 10 to 15 questions, and I grew on that, and I put together with the help of other friends about 50 different questions, which I won't go through right now, but Thank they you. deal with devotions and work. Uh, Oscar doesn't want to be held accountable, for finances, <laughs> uh, but it deals with alone time and entitlement and your vision and after you go through all the questions, and a couple of them, for example, would be, how have you spent adequate time in the Bible? What are you reading? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Uh, did you financially give to the local church or to missions? How are you doing with your giving? Uh, just real personal questions that you wouldn't broadcast to everybody, but yeah. to your close friends, yeah. you know, perhaps. But the very last question on this 50-question list is, did you just lie to me when answering any of the above <laughs> questions? <laughs> right? It's that it. double whammy. It's like, if, if you're going to lie, Why? Yeah, I mean, are we friends? Right, right. So it's just given that opportunity uh, to be able to come out and to be open and honest. Yeah, That's and good. look, accountability is a two
1: way street, right? I mean, a person's not going to really be accountable unless they really want to be, because we can hide things, right? Sure. We don't necessarily even have to lie. We can just omit. We cannot mention that this happened or we're struggling with this, or and man, we miss out. on on what God has for us in that. I love what Tim Challies said. He said, we need accountability. Left our own devices, we will soon devise or succumb to all kinds of evil. As Christians, we know that we need other believers to hold us accountable to the standards of scripture. Passages such as Ecclesiastes 4.12 remind us that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron and that we are to stir one another up to love and good works, encouraging one another. Life is far too difficult and we are far too sinful to live in solitude. We need community, we need accountability. And God has anticipated our need by giving us the local church as a primary means of this accountability. Mm. You know, one, one aspect of that is to be
2: able to have an accountability to have accountability with friends and to be honest and transparent is to move past easy answers. Yeah. Uh, so for example, you ask, how are you doing? It's so easy to say good. It's so easy to say busy. It's so easy to move on and say, good, how are you doing? But to actually allow that kind of a conversation to have a meaningful response. I remember specifically, we had a, a newer member of our church that really wasn't familiar with the DNA of of our church and our friendships. Uh, great guy, still a member of our church, theologically savvy, just maybe wasn't used to it. And so we go out to lunch. It was three of us, me, him, and one other guy. And so I asked him, man, how, how's your week going? And he's like, oh, good. You know, real good. Good. And I look at my other buddy, Danny Lee, and I'm like, Hey, how's your week going? And he, he's like, hey, this is areas where it's going good. I'm, I'm struggling here. I need prayer there. You know, my wife and I disagreed on this and I responded, man, that's, you know, I'm, I'm struggling here. This is where I need prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not really, you know, this area and that. And I remember the other guy stopped and he goes, you know what guys, can I answer that question again? I don't mm. think I realized what you meant when you asked mm. me that. Wow! And so it's just, that's what I mean. Like that willingness to move past the easy response and have a meaningful conversation with somebody is very powerful. So
3: how's your warts?
1: My warts are great. <laughs> yeah, they're all burned <laughs> off now. Yeah, and and you know, let me just say Oscar to that point, when we take the initiative, because someone always has to, right? I mean, you have a relationship, you have a group of people. There's got to be that icebreaker. I like how Ray will use that oftentimes when, when he asks people to raise their hand for something or ask a question, who's my icebreaker, right? The person... Who, who takes the lead and opens their life up will be an example to others, yeah. and that will influence openness and invite it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so so it's real good. Well, guys, we, we hope that that's answered the question. I mean, as far as friendship goes, hey, be friendly yourself, like scripture says, and go after people to cultivate those friendships. As far as fellowship goes, I think it's being proactive, like Oscar talked about, in determining to include God's word into fellowship and, and those elements that will stir us up in talking about the things of God and stirring one another up. And as far as accountability goes, uh, you need to determine that you're going to pursue that and be open and open your life up to others, recognizing the value of that. That sum it up. And guys, if
2: Mark can have
1: friends, anybody can have friends. (laughs) This is through... I agree. All right, friends, don't forget to check out the new improved Living Waters hats and the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. Remember, podcast at livingwaters.com. Send us all your thoughts and opinions and criticisms of Ray, Oscar, and Mark. And we'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast, where we have no idea what we're doing.